0: If you were here last week, we also heard about John the Baptist, but on that occasion he was thundering away in the desert. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. This week he's still in the wilderness. But he's deep in the underground cellars, the dungeons of Herod Antipas in his Macaranias fortress. He's at the lowest point of his life. Everything has changed. And soon, as we discover if we read further into the gospel, he's about to be executed. So when he says, Are you the one? Are you the one who is to come or are we to look and wait for another? It's heartfelt. This is life and death stuff. And anyway, how could Jesus be the one? He looks and acts. Nothing like a Messiah. A Messiah, it's just the Hebrew word for saviour or liberator. A Messiah is supposed to come and liberate and restore Liberate from Rome and the oppressive heel of colonialism and oppression. And restore the temple and all its culture, what it means to be a a Hebrew person, a Jew. And we've had messiahs. We had Judas Maccabeus only less than two centuries before who did these very things. He was a priest and brilliant guerrilla leader. He rebelled against the Seleucid Empire and he managed for a period of time to bring a glorious independence to the people. He restored the temple. He threw out the foreigners and he rebuilt it as a place of God. This is what John's calling for, the axe at the root of the tree. Judas Maccabeus was called the hammer. That's what a Messiah is supposed to do. 200 years or less, it's not that long ago to remember. And Jesus is doing none of these things. There's no guerrilla force being raised in the hills. There's no critiquing of the temple. Well, there is a little bit later on, but not much. Not like John. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. He says... To John's disciples, go and tell John what you see and what you hear. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, the deaf are hearing. Well, these are all wonderful things, but this is no way to run a country. This is no way to be the Messiah. No wonder John says, Are you the one? Are you the one? who is to come because nothing looks like it's supposed to. So is this just a history lesson? It's interesting, it's fascinating, but it's a long time ago. What does it matter to us that John comes to the end of his life in disappointment and uncertainty? John thought God was doing one thing, the axe at the root of the tree. But it turned out God was doing something quite different. We know how things are supposed to be. This church is supposed to be full of people. That's how the thing is supposed to be. Christianity is supposed to be alive and well all across the Western world. That's the way God worked. That's the way God has always worked. It's the way God has worked for us. That's why we're here. We've got these buildings. We've got this whole institution. We've got this incredible heritage. We've got this experience of the truth. And yet here we are. The Uniting Church is half the size it was 20 years ago. The church across the world is reeling from the sexual abuse scandals and stories that are still being uncovered in parts of the world. We've got mega churches falling over like dominoes in Australia and other places. Most churches in South Australia are 10 years older than the demographic of the communities from which they're from. We know that the era of Christendom, when the church was an important institution, is well past us. And it's just us now. Have we done something wrong? Have we missed it? What if God, like it was in John's time, is doing something new? John Wesley, the founder of one of the three denominations, well, he really wasn't the founder. He he never liked the idea of another denomination, but, you know, no one listened to him after that point. And away we went with the Methodists. Um, But he used to go to his little, what he called class meetings, and he would ask them a question. What is the Spirit of God doing? Which I always think is the most profound question. Because I can tell you what I'm doing. I can show you my diary, what I'm planning to do next week. I can tell you what the church thinks is a good idea to do. I can tell you what my mother always thought was a good idea for me to do, some of which I did and some of which I know what the law says that I should do. I know what convention says a man of my age should be doing with his life. But when I ask, what is the Spirit of God doing? My first response is, I don't know. Never, never occurred to me to ask. What if John was missing what was going on? What if we're missing what is going on? Jesus said to John, not when he said, Are you the one? Jesus didn't say, Yes, I'm the one. It should be obvious to you. Or, Yes, I'm the one. Here's the doctrine that proves that I am. He said to John's disciples, tell John what you have seen and what you hear. All through the Gospel of Matthew, it seems that it's possible, and we won't go into all the verses that point this out, it's very possible to see and not perceive. To be looking at something and not having a clue what you're looking at. It's possible to be so sure that the way things are are the way things are supposed to be that a new reality can be staring you in the face, and you miss it. Jesus calls it somewhere else in Matthew's gospel: "New wine." He said, "There's a new wine coming, but you can't put it into old wine skins because old wine skins are hard and brittle, and they will break, and you'll lose all the new wine. You have to put them into new wine skins. You know, these are these are usually the stomach of an animal, soft and supple. That's where it has to go." There's something new going on. What if we're missing it? Does that mean that all that we have done here in South Australia, in the church, here in the corner, all the work that you as a community went through to make this space work from the old space, from joining other congregations together, does that mean it's no longer has any purpose or meaning? Are we going to be like Video stores—they were everywhere, weren't they? Now that—is there any left in the world anywhere? And if so, why? What are they for? I, there's probably somebody who's got a VCR player somewhere and a co- wild collection of, of VCR tapes. And but you know—is that us? You've got one, Ken. Yeah, I knew. knew there's always someone everywhere it has got a pile of them. I've got tapes of things i don't know how to play them somebody gave me a cassette tape a couple of months ago what the hell am i going to do with that i haven't seen a cassette player in 20 years at least i'd have to go on ebay and buy one at some exorbitant price because it's now some kind of collector's item (laughs) here and hope that it works yeah that's probably cheaper Jesus calls the crowd here, after he's talked to John's disciples, he says, what did you see? What did you go out and see? Did you go out and see a prophet? Well, yes, of course you did, Jesus says. John was a prophet. He looked like one prophet and he spoke like another. He looked like Elijah. If you, for, for the people of the day, that would have been very obvious, the way John dressed. And he spoke like Elisha. That, sorry, he spoke like Isaiah. He looked like Elijah and Elijah, and he spoke like Isaiah. He was a prophet. That was good and right. That was his job. He was faithful at telling the truth. Yes, I tell you, but, Jesus says, more than a prophet. John is a messenger of some new thing that's growing. And he's a messenger of a new thing even though he doesn't recognise it. Just really staggering when you think about it, isn't it? Like, aren't we supposed to know everything that's going on before we can move forward and speak about something new? Well, John is an, an announcing the newness that God is doing in Jesus. And he doesn't seem to have a clue about it. And it doesn't matter. Like I said in the prayer, the newness of spring and summer arrives, whether you want it to or not, whether you're aware of it or not. It just does. You can't stop it. That's the energy of the universe. That's the energy of God. Something new is happening. And even though John isn't aware of it, it's still happening. It's not that what John is doing is wrong. It's just that a new thing is coming. What do we have to do then? Surely we have to remain good and faithful at what we do. But be aware that God is doing something new and not wanting to miss it. Being open and flexible. Which, you know, the older we get, the harder it is to be flexible. So get up. Go and do some yoga or pilates. And if you can't do it physically, do it in your head. Because we're now convinced, neuroscience is now convinced, that there is no such thing as the idea that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Plus, I'll say, you're not a dog. Your brain is continually growing and plastic, continually molding and changing. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter all the rubbish that we've told each other that things should be always this way and we get grumpy when things change. It's going to do that anyway. We have to be on the lookout for what is the new thing that is happening. The way we've always known church is ending just is. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, but it is. It just is. Is it a failure? Well, no, it's just a change. If you live to 95 and then you die, have you failed in life to live to 96? Well, you could look at it that way, but that would be so stupid, wouldn't it? You've just lived a life as long as you can and as well as you can wherever the age each of us goes. It's not a failure. It's just the ending of that way of being. And the church won't die, it just changes. And our job is to see the new thing that's coming. That's what Christmas is all about. I'm obsessed with babies. I I was at something yesterday and I was in the middle of a conversation with someone. A little baby walked past, well, carried past, and I completely forgot what I was talking about and focused on on the baby. I'm just amazed... I was one of those. And so were you. Like this is how we came into the world, fresh and new and alive. That's why we tell the story at Christmas. It's about a baby coming into the world fresh and new and alive to become something glorious, just like you've all become, just like I've become. That's the story. That's the story we tell. Something new is always happening, always growing. You ever wonder, when we tell the story of the three wise men, of course, there weren't three, we have no idea whether they were wise, and they're just likely not to have been men, but when we tell the story of these strange people coming from the east with the story of the star... How hard is it to tell one star from another? Have you ever been out with, an, with somebody who really knows the night sky and they point out a pattern in the night sky, or they point out a particular star? It takes you ages to figure out which one they're looking at, doesn't it? No, 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 it's not that one. It's the one see the one that's a little bit bluish. No, it's not that one. See the one... T- it's not that easy. But you won't see it at all if you don't look. I wonder how easy it was for them to see this special star that the story tells us about. Maybe they were wise after all. Not because they were brilliant astronomers, but because they paid attention and they looked and they waited until they understood. Then they moved forward. Did you go out and see? As profit? Yes, but so much more.